It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. It was one for the history books. For the first time since Russia invaded in February, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky left his country and he flew to Washington, D.C., to meet with President Joe Biden at the White House and deliver a major speech to a joint meeting of Congress. President Zelensky expressed gratitude for U.S. support in an emotional, impassioned address. He called for more U.S. help and stronger sanctions against Moscow, telling lawmakers that Ukraine will never surrender. Ukraine holds its lines and will never surrender. We have artillery. Yes, thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really. <laughs> to ensure Bakhmut is not just a stronghold that holds back the Russian army, but for the Russian army to completely pull out, more cannons and shells are needed. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. Earlier in the day, President Biden had announced the U.S. will send Kyiv a Patriot missile defense system as part of an additional $1.8 billion assistance package. President Zelensky reiterated that air defense systems are crucial to countering Russia attacks. It felt like an overwhelmingly bipartisan reception but looks can be a bit deceptive, as several Republican lawmakers, including some of those set to assume top leadership positions, weren't ready to commit to keeping the funding going in the next session. Only about 85 House Republicans out of 213 total were even in the chamber for the speech. And then there was the not-so-cool kids table with Republicans Matt Gates of Florida, Andrew Clyde of Georgia, Warren Davidson of Ohio and Lauren Boebert of Crazy Town, none of whom joined in or even clapped during an otherwise pretty raucous greeting for Zelensky when he entered the chamber. Gates and Boebert also didn't clap when President Zelensky thanked Congress and the entirety of the United States for its support, nor did they clap when Zelensky recognized his guests, Ukrainians forced to leave the country by the Russian attack. But even that can't lessen the emotional impact of the sustained standing ovation that lasted well over two full minutes when Zelensky, wearing his trademark army green crew neck and cargo pants, entered the chamber. Meanwhile, in Russia, Putin declared there would be a substantial investment in his military as the war drags on. After the speech concluded, Congress got down to business. And they were there well into the night. At around 2 a.m., Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer went to the floor to say that they are making progress on that omnibus funding bill. Again, it was 2 a.m. when Schumer said, quote, It is my expectation that we will be able to lock in an agreement on the omnibus tomorrow morning. We're very close, but we're not there yet. He summoned the members back by 8 a.m. Thursday morning for the first vote. All righty then. A reminder that government funding runs out Friday night, Christmas is Sunday, and, well, the debate over this big 4,155-page package could drag into next week. Stay tuned. So what happened with the January 6th report? With all the Zelensky news dominating Wednesday's coverage, you wouldn't be alone if you were wondering what happened to the release. Well, it was postponed. 
but the full 800-page report is expected to drop sometime today, and it will conclude that Donald Trump criminally plotted to undo the 2020 election result and, quote, provoked his supporters to violence at the Capitol with false claims of widespread voter fraud. Although the full report is delayed until likely today, the panel did already release 34 transcripts out of the 1,000 interviews it conducted over the last 18 months. Another big release is being analyzed in the wake of the House Ways and Means Committee finally getting five years of the former guy's tax returns. The Congressional Joint Committee on Taxation released a report describing many red flags found in the former guy's tax returns that merit further investigation. This committee is a bipartisan panel that reviews tax legislation and has a staff of tax law experts. It said potential audit triggers included dubious private jet expenses, unsubstantiated charitable deductions, and payments from Trump's eldest children, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric. Those payments were described as interest on personal loans that the committee said could be seen as disguised gifts to evade gift tax and let Trump's children write off the interest payments. None of these questionable practices found in the returns, which Trump fought to keep secret for years, have been seriously audited, despite his claims to the contrary. From the not again files, Benjamin Netanyahu is back. Yeah, he announced Wednesday that he had formed a coalition that'll bring him back as Israel's prime minister. Oh, please. Now we learn that what he's put together is a hardline six-party coalition that will give him the most right-wing administration in the country's history. The New York Times reporting that the new government, which will take over after five elections in four years, is expected to increase support for the most religious Jews and reduce Palestinian autonomy in the occupied West Bank. Just what we didn't want to hear to end this year. And finally, it's beginning to feel a lot like, well, winter. A major storm system, which the National Weather Service is calling a once-in-a-generation type event, is touching nearly every state in the nation. More than 100 million people are currently under winter weather and wind chill alerts as record-breaking temperature drops are being felt everywhere. Denver International saw a 37-degree drop in temperature in over one hour on Wednesday. In Cheyenne, Wyoming, they saw the mercury fall 30 degrees in just 10 minutes. Governors in Georgia, Oklahoma, and Kentucky have each declared a state of emergency as other state leaders activate emergency response operations. The forecast for Christmas weekend could be the coldest in decades. And yes, holiday travel is already being impacted. Southwest Airlines alone said it has canceled 500 of its 4,000 scheduled flights on Thursday and Friday, while at least 145 flights into or out of Denver were canceled on Wednesday. And in case you were wondering, here in South Florida, the forecast warns of falling iguanas. Seriously, temperatures are predicted to drop into the 40s over the next few nights, so authorities are warning that green iguanas, which can actually grow up to about 5 feet and weigh 20 pounds, are cold-blooded. So once it gets cold enough, iguanas can stiffen up and actually fall out of trees and onto the ground or whatever is below. So if you find a stiff iguana on the ground this weekend, 
just leave it alone. It may be stiff and not moving, but it may actually be alive. And if an iguana feels threatened, once it warms up, it may bite. Other than that, happy holidays, everyone. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that Donate button.